Welcome to Passion Life Church. He is the reason why we're here, and welcome to Passion Life Church, and we are continuing this incredible series called Don't Drink the Water, and really what it's about is that the Bible talks about living water. It uses this illustration of living water to describe the life that God wants us to have, and God wants us to have an abundant life. How do I know that? Because in John 10, 10, he said, I came that you might have life, and life more abundantly. You know, Revelations chapter 22, verse 17 says this, come... And let him who thirsts come, whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. And then the Passion Translation says it this way. It says, come and let everyone who craves the gift of living water come and drink it freely. It is my gift to you. So God describes this life that he has for us as living water. It's moving. And here it is. It's a free gift that we just receive. When you receive Jesus into your heart, God gave you his life in Jesus. It's the Zoe kind of life. That's actually the Greek word. It's called Zoe. It means the God kind of life. It actually means this. The Zoe kind of life and this water that we're talking about means this kind of life. It's a life that's flowing with vitality. Everybody say vitality. It's a life that's, that's vigorous. It's actually, the word really means animated. It's fullness of life, fullness of life. It means active, vigorous, devoted to God. This word actually means blessed in proportion, even in this world, to those who put their trust in Jesus. And I just love that these words are used, living water, because it describes like motion. It describes moving. It describes being fresh. I love fresh stuff. I like being fresh. I like new things. How many of you know God is into new as well? He likes to do a new thing and he wants to do a new thing. It's a life that's active. This, this life is a life that's active. It's not a stagnant life. It's not a stagnant life at all. It's moving forward. And Jesus gives us this life. Now, here's also what he wants from us. Not just to receive this life, but in John chapter 7, verse 38, it says this. He who believes in me, any believers in the house today? Have any believers? He says, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So not only does God give us this water to us, he wants this water to flow through us. So for you and I as a Christian, we should be life-giving, living water people. Can I hear a good amen? So when people come in contact with you, right, this living water should be flowing from us. This living water, when people come in contact with you, you know what? Their anxiety should turn to hope. When they come in contact with you, their darkness should turn to light. Why? Because you are the light. Let me say it this way. When they come in contact with you or you come in contact with them, your light is not supposed to turn to darkness. Their darkness is supposed to turn to light. When you come in contact with them, they are supposed to experience life-giving, living water, not polluting your water. Right? Because it's living water. And their sadness, when, when they come in contact with us, their sadness should be turned into joy. And this message honestly fires me up. And I'm going to tell you why. I love talking about life because people are looking for it. And people are thirsty for life. And they may not even know what the definition of life is. They're just looking for life. But how many of you know Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So we only can find this vibrant, living water type of life in him. But I love this because when we are living water and life giving to people, here's what it is. And here's what I love it, how I love it. Because it's actually an opportunity for people to experience the life that Jesus actually has. When people come in contact with us, are they experiencing Jesus or are they experiencing the devil? Do they walk away from our life going, man, that was life-giving? Or do they walk away going, wow, man, that was so draining. They are so draining. Because the reality of it is, is this is the truth. God wants living water flowing through us. But the truth is, is that God's desire for all of us is to have it. But where is the disconnect? Why aren't Christians truly walking and experience this reality of flowing living water? And I'll tell you why. It's because we allow our waters to be polluted. 
because we're drinking the water that we shouldn't be drinking. We talked about last week, drinking the water of negativity and that will pollute your hope. It will pollute your faith, right? Drinking that water. And this series is really designed to expose to us some of the most toxic pollutants we allow in our lives, but also to show us how to clean them out. Now, I know you know what I'm about to say, but I think it's important to say it, my church family. You cannot drink polluted water and expect to have living water flowing from you. Come on, put that on your TikTok. Listen, you can't expect to be drinking of polluted water and then have living water flowing from you. This is why some people are frustrated. This is why Christians are so frustrated sometimes. They wonder, oh, Pastor Phil, I love this living water stuff, but it doesn't seem to be working for me. Well, let me ask you a question. What water are you drinking from and who is your source? Because if negativity is pouring into you, negativity will be pouring out of you. If faith today, that's why I love when you're in church and we get together around the word of God. When faith is pouring into us, faith is pouring out of us. Can I hear a good amen? When all we think about politics pouring into us, politics is pouring out of us. I think it's funny. People are losing their pajamas over politics. And I'm like, you know, these people are going to be gone in like four years anyway. And you know what? You're still going to be negative. Let me try this side. Right? Why are you losing, losing your Cheerios over all of these things, right? But why do you feed on it? You feed on it. You know what I want to feed on? I want to feed on the joy. I want joy pouring into me. So when I'm around people, joy is pouring out of me. Come on, somebody. I want to feed on God's peace so there's peace in his presence when I'm around people. And today, here's what I want to do. I want to look at another toxin that we can be drinking from, and it's the toxin or the polluting of what I call doubt, doubt. Let's say this. Say, I won't drink the water of doubt. You know, doubt started way back when God created the earth and put Adam and Eve in the garden. It's one of the enemy's biggest tools to pollute your water. God told Adam and Eve, he said, you can eat of every tree. I want you to listen to these words. Every tree in the garden you can have you can eat of as much as you want. Come on, it's like soup plantation. You just go there and you can have as much as you want from every tree. That to me sounds like an incredibly generous, incredibly generous, loving, giving God who's giving liberally. He says here, out of every tree you can eat. But there's one tree I don't want you to eat of. And let me just say this, if you ever become a pastor, there's two things you need to know. Number one, people want to ask, why did God put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden? And the second thing they want to know is, when did the dinosaurs happen? That's what they want to know, right? And let me tell you why God put the tree in the garden. Because God wanted a people that would choose him and want him. God did not want robots, so he gives us a choice. Can I just be honest with you? Everybody that's going to heaven is making a choice to go there. You know why? Because we want to go there. We're making a decision to go there. People always ask me, oh, why does God send people to hell? He doesn't send anybody to hell. The people that go to hell are the people that don't want to go to heaven. You know why? The best thing about heaven is the presence of God. Oh, I love the streets of gold. I love all that stuff. But you know what? I choose to go there. And if you don't know if you're going there, you can choose to go there. Because you know what? Love without a choice is not love at all. So he gave Adam and Eve the choice. He said, look, eat of all the trees, but I don't want you to eat of the knowledge of good and evil. Let me tell you why. God never meant for man to know evil. Never. But guess what we do when we come on the scene Oh, look at all the trees. I can't have that one. Okay, I'm going to go have that one. I want what I can't have. And so here comes the enemy. And here's, here's what the enemy does. And he's still doing it today. Because here's how he got even the garden. Are you ready? He got even the garden by saying, hey, uh, basically this. Um, God doesn't want what's best for you. You see, if God wanted what's best for you, he would let you eat from that tree too. And Eve's all like, what? Eating from evil is not the best for you. But she's like, hmm. 
And what did it do? It started to get her to doubt. She believed, actually, listen to this, because many people still believe this. Eve actually believed that God was holding out on her by not giving her the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You say, what does that have to do? There are many people that still believe, even in today's world, that God is holding something out from them. I ain't going to give in that offering. I ain't going to give my tithes and offering. God wants to get something from me. He doesn't want to get anything from you. He wants to get something to you. And he's trying to let you know that there is an abundant life but beyond what we think. But here's what we say. No, I'm not going to give because you know what? God's holding out. He doesn't want me to be wealthy. He doesn't want me. Actually, God wants you to be wealthy but not greedy. God wants you to be prosperous with the proper mindset of being a blessing and being blessed at the same time because it actually flows like a river. So we think, you know what? God's holding out on me. God's not holding out on you because he gave you Jesus, his best, when he came to this earth. So God's not holding out anything on you. I think it's kind of funny because I was listening to a friend who's a pastor and he had an intern, one of his interns come up to him and she was sick. And as he was coughing and uh, he said, hey, what's going on? What's, what's happening with you? And she said, oh, you know, I, I have the flu. Uh, you know, he's like, okay, <laughs> that's cool. And um, he said, let me pray for you. And she said, no, um, don't pray for me. She said, I believe that God is trying to teach me something with the flu, right? And so his response was classic and I love it. So he looked at her and he says, okay, so God sent Jesus to die on the cross to forgive us of all of our sin and to take hell away from you so now he can give you back the flu. The devil's a liar. What are you gonna learn from the flu? And listen, if you believe that, then don't go to the doctor. Learn the lesson God's trying to teach you and then you'll get, that. that's a bunch of baloney. So Jesus takes hell from us so he can give us back a sickness? Come on, somebody. Jesus saved us from hell. God gave you his best. Come on, can I hear a better amen than that? And so the dictionary describes doubt as this, to be uncertain, to, be, to hold questionable, to hesitate, to believe, to distrust, fear, to be uh, apprehensive, to have fear, a feeling of uncertainty about the truth. And very often, what you're going to see in this series is that one type of water is going to feed into another type of water. When you start drinking the water of negativity, it starts to fuel your doubt. That's why we can't drink the water of negativity, and you can't drink the water of doubt. And let me tell you, you say, Pastor Phil, come on. I mean, I came to church today on this holiday weekend, and you're going to just talk to me about doubt? Yeah, you know why? Because doubt has intense consequences intense consequences. You know why? Because it's going to go go against your faith. Why is that a big deal? Because faith has the power, right, to produce miracles in your life. Faith has the power. Believing has the power. And you know what? I read this quote, and man, it really hit me. Doubt kills more dreams than failure ever will. I want to say that again. Doubt kills more dreams than failure ever will. You're going to fail. You're going to make mistakes. But you know what? If I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail falling forward. I'm going to be going forward. But doubt is killing so many people's dreams. And you know what? The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so doubt doesn't want you to have the life that God has for you. Doubt is going to pollute the water. And here's what I want to do today. I want to give you three definitions of doubt, actually in the Greek language. And the reason why I want to give it to you so is you can recognize it in your life. So you can say, I'm not going to drink from that water. Here's the first one. It's the Greek word aperio. This is what it means to be without a way or to be without resources, to be left wanting, no way out, perplexed. Give you some scriptures with each and every one of these. John chapter 13, verse 21, Jesus is talking to uh, his boys, his disciples, and he's telling them that one of them is going to betray him. And uh, he says, and when Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked at one another, doubting 
of whom he spake. In other words, that word there, they were perplexed. They were doubting. It was almost like we say it sometimes. We say, no way. No way. And here's what the enemy does. The enemy uses this form of doubt to make you think that God can't take care of you. The enemy wants you to think that God can't take care of you. God can't lead you and God can't provide for you. He wants to leave you wanting. Let me verbalize how this kind of doubt hits our lives. And this is kind of what we say. We'll say, man, there's just no way. There's just no way. Man, I, I, could, I could never, I could never do that. Our family, our family could never do that. Or how about this one? I guess, but I seriously doubt it. Seriously doubt it. Now, it's funny because we'll say that sometimes like we're really, really proud of it. Now, let me just say, it's one thing, right, to say these things about areas of our life that are small, right? I doubt, I doubt it that we're going to be able to go to in and out today to eat. We're, we're busy, right? There's just no way, right? There's just no way that Tom Brady is going to play for the L.A. Chargers. There's just, just no way. That's small and simple. But when you start translating that into your passions and into your desires, right, into your dreams, there's just no way, right, right? The job I really want, there's just, just, just no way. You know what's interesting to me is we have this low view of life and ourselves. If you ever had the courage and the faith to spring out and go for what you wanted and believe God had for you, you would walk in a level of life that would be so good that people would love to be around you. But we have bought into this lie that we doubt ourselves, we doubt our dreams, and we're just living this mundane, stagnant life. How can you say that, Pastor Phil? Because I believe that I'm living my dream. I believe today, I'm just telling you, I'm not trying to humble brag, but today I'm getting paid for what I love to do. I love to do it. I love it. I love it. How do you know that you love it? Because I would do it even if I wasn't getting paid. The first year of Passion Life Church, I made $10,000 salary for the year. Thank God I got a sugar mama. Come on, somebody. My wife's a therapist. And she believed in us. And she said, we're going to start this church. And I said, we're going to start. And I said, even if I don't make any money the first year, I'm going to preach. And you know what? I wasn't preaching $10,000 a year sermons. I was preaching gold in my first year because I was doing it with passion and love. Listen, you've got to have passion beyond a paycheck or you're never going to get there. And I'm really, really, really excited about 2020 because of what God is doing and the potential. And I'm just telling you, some of us are just settling for a life that we don't want. Come on, somebody. Some of us are in jobs and we're tired of working there. And you know what? Well, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to have some faith and take some risk? Or are you just going to stay there and be like the guy who died when he was 50, but they buried him when he was 75? You know, it's interesting because I never thought God can, I know he could do more than I can imagine. I know he can, but you know what? I did this with passion. I always do it with passion. Cody knows that. I've fallen off stages because I mean, I was in our youth ministry. I'd fell in front of the kids because somebody didn't set the stairs up right, right? Sound would go out, all these things, but that's not going to stop my passion. You know, but every week I put these messages together every week. I don't know who's listening. Every week, I don't know who's listening to our podcast. I hear great stories. I hear great testimonies. But in every week, let me just tell you, every week putting these messages together, there's some things that I really felt that were on my heart. And I had two people walk up to me that I did not know and said, there's a book inside of you and you need to write it. Well, my problem is, is I don't like writing. And my problem is, is that I prefer communication that is like this. To me, this is, but you know what? I started to put all of that stuff together and something burned on the inside of me, an idea. And so through a mutual friend of ours in LA, he hooked me up with this publisher. And uh, I had a phone call this last week with a publisher and I was telling him about my idea for my book. And I'm not gonna tell it to you today because I know you as Christians, you will steal my ideal and call it a blessing and call it your own. I will not do that today. 
I'm kidding with you, but I'm not. And I thought, well, let's, you know, okay, this is my idea. And my wife, she's like, you got to write it. Now, you know how it's like when your mom tells you you're cute and you're like, mom, right? And then my wife's like, you know, come on, Phil. And I'm like, I know, Val, thanks. I mean, thanks for the support, you know? But she's like, no, you, you, got, you got to do this. So I got on the phone with this publisher and he's published some major people. And uh, we just started pitching my idea. And it, this is crazy to me, my church family, because when I talked with him, he said, you know what's crazy about this conversation? He says, the last six months, I have been on this subject researching it, crazy researching it, and now you're bringing it to the forefront. And, uh, and he says, people need to hear what you have to say. And you know what? Man, it touched my heart. And he says, we'll get behind this. We'll do it. And, uh, and so we're thinking about this Thanksgiving. There, there'll be a book that'll come out. Now, let me just tell you this. I was, I don't, I'm not, I'm a little... I don't even know how I feel about writing, but I do feel this. I never thought that my life could somehow reflect on a grander scale and touch other people's lives. And it's so fun. Do Christians know about fun anymore? <laughs> do we? Can we smile and laugh? What happens if you were actually to do what you love to do for God and it touched people's lives, right? But you're going to have to get out of doubt and you're going to have to start being who God's called you to be and you're going to have to start stepping out. And life can be great. Why? Because that's what you were created for. I think that's why so many people are so frustrated. They're not living in their purpose. Pastor Phil, is this a message about purpose? No, it's, it's a message about faith, but doubt is robbing you of the life that God wants you to have. You know, I was telling somebody this week because they're thinking about what they want to do with the rest of their life. And it was interesting because I said, this to me here doesn't take any effort. I can get up here and it doesn't bother me that some of you are asleep right now. It doesn't bother me that I'm kidding out of here, honestly, except that guy with it. But um, no, I'm kidding. You're not. It doesn't bother me at all. It comes natural to me. When I wake up in the week, I think about messages. I think about preaching and I don't try. That's, that's my challenge. I have to try to turn this off. And I can't, it just flows. And see, what I'm telling you today is there a passion and a purpose that's flowing from your life and doubt will rob you of that passion. Doubt will rob you of this life where you actually feel that God can't provide for you, that you are lacking, you are not lacking. As a matter of fact, you have everything you need inside of you to flourish and have living water flowing out of you. Come on, somebody, we've got to stop blocking the blessing and let that living water flow. Come on, somebody, listen to the worship this morning. These people up here, there was living water flowing today. There was living water flowing today from them, right? But God is not going to leave you wanting. He's not going to leave you by yourself, right? And so sometimes you may even look at yourself and say, no way. Can I just tell you, when you say there's no way, here's what you're saying. There's no Jesus for me because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, right? So my mom will tell you at five years old, I took an ottoman, five years old, and a, a spatula from the kitchen and turned over the ottoman, and I had a spatula for a microphone when I was five years old, and I had an ottoman as a podium, and I was preaching to her at five years old. Five years old, and she kept telling me my whole life, you're gonna be a pastor, I don't wanna do that. Why am I telling you this? Because you were created for something. And look at me, everybody, look at me. Are you ready? The world needs what you have. What God has deposited on the inside of you, the world needs. The world needs you. You know why? Because there's no one like you. And that is fresh, living water. 
And here we are, we're so afraid. No way, there's no way I could do that. There's no way, actually, there is a way. His name is Jesus and it's what you were created for. Come on, let's get you in touch with that. Let's have flourishing, living water flowing. Mark 9, 23, Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible. To who? To him who believes. Luke 1, 37, for with God, nothing will be impossible. My church family, we don't need faith for possible things. We need faith for impossible things. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If you've already seen it, you don't need faith for it. But if you don't see it, you need faith for it because faith is what accesses the unseen and brings it into the seen world. Can I hear a good amen today? And let me just tell you about the God that we serve. He is not a God where his hand is short. We have a God who makes a way when there is no way. When people are like, there is no way, well, then you're discounting God because we have a God who makes a way where there seems to be no way. He makes way. He's the way maker. We have a God, the Bible says in Isaiah, that puts rivers in the desert. And you may be here today and you may be in a desert. Can I tell you, God can put a river of living water in your life that's fresh. God, the Bible says, can open doors that no man can shut. All of your haters drinking the haterade can't shut the doors if God opens them. I, I, I had a visual of this of people actually trying to close doors. But God says, I'll open doors that no man can shut. Even the people that don't like you, they can't shut that door when I open it for you. I wonder what life would look like if you didn't doubt. If you stepped in, if you tried, if you went for it. I had a couple of people this week say, well, I'll try that. My new thing is don't try, just do. Just do it. Come on, just do it. Just step out. What do you got to lose? Well, they, make, they may make fun of me. They make fun of you anyway. You just don't know it. You just don't know it. I remember we, we had a service one time, and I met some first-time guests after we were talking. And they said, you know what? This service here at Passion Life, there was a little bit too much energy for me. Yeah, you were, you were, pretty, yeah, you were, you were pretty passionate. A little too passionate for me. And I said, thank you, because you just confirmed the calling on my life. It may not be for you, but it may be for somebody else, because other people are being touched. So you know what? Your opinion, thank you, that I'm a little bit too energetic for you, right? Thank you for that. I'm sure there's a ton of other churches you can go to. And No, 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 no energy. No, no, no laughing. This is a holy place. The Bible says in God's presence, there's fullness of joy, fullness of joy in his presence. And I, listen, I'm just telling you that because you may think, man, Pastor Phil, we love it. Yeah, you do, but somebody may not, but I'm not going to quit doing what I'm doing just because somebody doesn't agree or somebody, their opinion's different. Or you know what? I'm just not like, that's all right. Because I've touched and God has used me to touch many people. And you know what? Thank God I'm not for everybody. I love everybody. But the same with you. You may not please everybody, but please God and step out into what God has for you. Amen. Come on, give him a good round of applause. If we start doubting, if we start doubting, our water's going to get polluted. And listen, I know this is pretty simple, but I need to say it. You cannot access all that God has for you if you're doubting. Some of you are wondering why it's not working. You got to stop drinking the water of doubt. Doubt does not access God. Faith does. Listen. I don't care what your neighbor says. I don't care what your manager at work says. I don't care what your family says. Only faith accesses God. And if we're gonna doubt and drink that water, you're not gonna step into the real life that God has for you. And my church family, God wants what's best for you. He's not gonna leave you lacking. Come on, somebody. The Bible says even the birds, let me tell you, I just don't like birds. If you can tell, listen, I'm just not an animal person. I, I just, I'm just not, I'm just not, I'm just not, okay? I love you, and I know you love your animals. You think they're human. That's fine. Cool, right? 
I'm just not an animal person. I just get chills when animals are around me, okay? It's just me, pray for me. Please pray for me. Please pray for me. I went to Walmart the other day and there was a dog by itself coming near me at Walmart. I had to rebuke it in the name of Jesus. I come, Walmart's supposed to be a safe place. I'm like, where's the owner? The dog knows where it's at, but the owner's lost, people. I don't know. Did you ever look at a bird? I've never seen one really skinny bird. They all have these big old bellies. They walk around, and you know what the Bible says? God feeds them. The only ones I've seen it with the real, real skinny legs, but they even, even their stomachs. You know what? The Bible says, look at the birds. Don't even worry. Because he says, I feed them. How much more are you worth than the birds? God will feed you and take care of you. Are you glad you came to church today? Here's the, here's the second Greek word. It's distanso. And it means to take the second opinion. Wavering. It actually means this Twice. Twice. Remember when Peter was walking on the water? Remember that story that Jesus was up there praying and he told the disciples, he says, hey, look, go off, go off to the other side. I'm going to go pray. And so he's praying and they get into the boat and there's a huge storm. The Bible says it's about 4 a.m., right? In, in the night, in the morning, and there's a huge storm. The winds are boisterous. It's four o'clock in the morning. Come on, this is a great, great setting for a horror film, right? And they're just standing, and they're all in the boat, and all of a sudden, they see this ghost-like figure walking on the water. And some of them are like, oh my gosh, it's a ghost. Somebody's like, I see dead people. And Judas is like, I'll bet you 32 pieces of silver that that's not a ghost. And Thomas is like, I doubt it, Judas. And Peter's like, hey, that's Jesus. And Jesus, if that's you, could I, could I walk on this walk? Could I come out there? Now, I want you to notice something. Jesus comes to them in a form that they weren't used to. See, a lot of us want new things, but we don't want new things. Because new means change. Let me ask you a question. What if Jesus comes to you in a way that you're not used to? See, they weren't used to this because they'd never seen anybody walk on water. Jesus was doing something different. And let me just tell you again, Jesus loves to do new things. Because we as Americans, we love our lights like this. Everything I can do and every minute is planned. Anything new? And so Jesus breaks the mold and he comes walking on the water. And so Peter says, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come out there. And Jesus says one word. He says, come. And Peter gets out of the boat. A lot of people say Peter walked on water. I like to say Peter walked on the word. Peter got a word, one word, one word from God, right? Now, here's what's interesting is that when Jesus was coming to them and they were freaking out, right? And they're, oh, it's a ghost, we're afraid. Jesus actually, before Peter says, is that you? Jesus actually says, hey guys, be of good cheer. In other words, take courage because Jesus always spoke to fear. See, if you're here today and you are dealing with fear, you need to speak to that thing. You cannot just let it linger in your life. And Jesus says, be of good cheer. And so Peter, uh, uh, Jesus says, be of good cheer. So Peter musters up the, the courage to say, Jesus, if this is you, bid me come. So he gets out of the boat and he starts walking on water. And Peter, on one word from Jesus, is walking on water. Oh, Pastor Phil, I just need another word. Why don't you walk on the one you just got? Because here's the truth. When Peter walked on the word, he was able to walk over the storm. He got one word, come, come. See, when Peter did what Jesus said, he experienced the power. Let me say that again. 
when, when Peter did come, when he obeyed, there was power released. And when he did that and walked on God's word, he walked above the storm. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a God who walks above the storm. We have a God who is a water walker. Jesus walks above any storm. There's not any storm that he can't walk above. Are you ready for this? And he's calling his children to be water walkers too. He's calling you to come out of the boat of complacency, being stagnant. And he says, get out of the boat. Listen to this. Get out of the boat. And if you'll walk on my word, you'll walk over the storm that you're currently in. You'll walk over it. Listen, Matthew chapter four, verse 30, it says, when he saw the waves, looking at Peter, talking about Peter, when he saw the waves that were boisterous, he was afraid. Now, I want you to think about this. When we read the Bible, it's important to really look at it because when Peter got out of the boat, was the water calm? Was there no wind? No, my church family, when Peter got out of the boat, you know what? There was just as much wind he just wasn't looking at the wind. There was just as much of a storm that, 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 he, that he was experiencing when he started to sink when he got out of the boat. But watch, this is my interpretation of Peter getting out of the boat, right? When Peter got out of the boat and Jesus said, come, he got out of the boat and he just started walking on the water, right? But here's what happens. All of a sudden, it's that Greek word, distatso, there was a second opinion. He's walking on the water. He was walking on the water in the storm until when he saw the waves, right? Here comes the second opinion. Ready? People don't walk on water. He was doing it. He was walking on the water. Here comes that second opinion. Wow, this is a huge storm. And Peter started to sink when he started to think about the second opinion. Humans don't walk on water. I need a boat. I'm a fisherman. That wave could kill me. Peter, why didn't you think about that before you got out of the boat? Because it was already a storm. But you know what? You were so focused on Jesus and his word that the storm didn't matter. But when the second opinion came into your life, you went with the second opinion and instead of walking on water, you started to sink because that's what doubt will do. Doubt will make you sink when you could be walking over the storm. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're reacting today. Listen, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. You can't walk over the waves if you're wavering. You can't walk over the waves if you're double-minded, right? You're double-minded. What happened with Peter, that second opinion, he let the circumstances cause him to think about this second opinion. Can I just tell you that our God is not bound to any earthly circumstances, my church family, and we have a God that's walking on water and he calls you to do the same and Peter starts to sink. Why? Because he took the second opinion. I wonder who the second opinion is in your life. I wonder who's that person who's speaking doubt in your life. Maybe it was since you grew up. Maybe it was a teacher. Maybe it's just the devil. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it's your ex. But you know what? You need to tell that doubt to shut up in the name of Jesus. You need to tell that doubt to shut up in the name of Jesus. And he starts to sink. This is what I love about Jesus, though. Right? Jesus doesn't see him sinking. Because I think that this is the mentality that people have about Jesus. Peter's sinking, and Jesus is like... Oh, Peter, look at you. Peter's like, and Jesus like, Peter, you doubted. Look at the consequences of doubting. And Peter's like, oh, Peter. The Bible says that Peter said, Jesus, and watch this, Peter, Jesus reached out and restored Peter. Then he corrected Peter. And this is what he said. O ye of little faith, meaning O ye <laughs> of short bursted faith. He did it. Peter was the only man to walk on water besides Jesus. He did it. But what happened? 
he let doubt, that second opinion come in, right? My church family, we are not supposed to have short bursts of faith. The Bible says that we are to walk by faith, not by sight. A walking is an everyday, every step we walk by God. Today I'm going to walk by faith. Tomorrow I'm going to walk by faith. God is not looking for just a short burst of faith. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. The real translation is, is the just by their faith shall live shall live. And the enemy is going to constantly try to give you his opinion over God's word. But my church family, I want to encourage you again. You and I as children of God can walk on water. And I'm not talking about literally, I'm not talking about going home today and filling up your bathtub and say, man, let's see what that preacher said and see if he's, you know what? And then you get in and you don't walk on water. And you're like, that dude is a liar. That's not what I'm talking about. Peter did literally walk on water, but here's what we can learn. We can learn that as children of God, we can walk above the storm if we'll walk and trust and have faith in God's word. Oh, you'll feel the waves. Isaiah says that. He says, you'll walk through the water, but you won't drown. You'll walk through the fire. You may feel the heat, but like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you won't smell like smoke because there's another one in the fire with you. And that's him. That's him. See, so when I say we can walk on water, this is what I mean. They told me kids never recover from the storm of their parents' divorce. But you know what? I walked on water and I walked over that storm. Not only did I recover from my parents' divorce, I'm a pastor and leading a church. So on them. People say you can't beat the storm of depression. Well, let me give you a word from God today. You know what? God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind in Jesus' name. And if you'll walk on that word, <laughs> you're going to think I'm so weird, but you probably already think that. I'm not going to ask us how many in this room talk to ourselves because I would say you're not normal if you don't talk to yourselves. We all talk to ourselves and some of you talk to your dogs. But anyway, besides that and expect them to talk back, that's another message. But you know what? Instead of just saying I'm depressed, what if you say the joy of the Lord is my strength? Listen. I know this is simple and I, I'm risking being simple today and you walk in and I go, that was so simple. But I told myself this morning, there was things that I was feeling and I told myself, Phil, you're not gonna think that way. You're not gonna, and you know what? Because here's the reality. The way you think affects the way you feel. Wanna change the way you feel, change the way you think. I told myself, self, you're not thinking that. <clears throat> I got myself in trouble. And I thought, what an epiphany that we are responsible for what we think. And I just said, I'm not thinking that. I'm, I refuse to feel that way. I'm a person of purpose. I'm a person of faith. Come on, you have to say that. I'm not depressed. In Jesus' name, I have the joy of the Lord is my strength and I have the mind of Christ. Mind, you have the mind of Christ in Jesus' name. That's why David in the Old Testament, he spoke to his soul and he said, soul, you will bless the Lord. In Spanish, we say, andale. <laughs> Come on, I know you're feeling the funk, but you're going to bless the Lord, soul. When they say, once an addict, always an addict, God's word says, who the sun sets free is free indeed. And I'll take that word, and I'll walk over this addiction in Jesus' name. <laughs> we need to be water walkers. You take the word at face value. Be on guard. Take, don't take that second opinion, that wavering. Look at what James chapter one, verse five says about wavering. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not. In other words, when you ask God for wisdom, he doesn't fault you for that. He actually loves it. He loves when we come and we ask for wisdom. He says, look, but when you ask, ask in faith, nothing, say it with me, come on. Nothing wavering, nothing wavering. 
For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Verse 7, for let not that man think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. Ouch. There's some scriptures sometimes when I read, I just want to tear them out of the Bible. Like, yeah, that's tough. But it's truth. And the truth you know will set you free. And for some of us, we are going, why are we not receiving from the Lord? And it may be because you're giving in to that second opinion. And the Bible says the people who doubt like that, you won't receive anything from the Lord. Look at verse eight, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You know what I find so ironic? God is stable. You know what I find ironic is that God is consistent. God is faithful. God is all of these things. But you look at his kids, unstable, inconsistent, unfaithful. And I'm going to tell you this, it's not God's fault. It's because we listen to that second opinion. And this challenges me, my church family. God keeps his word. God's consistent. God's faithful. God never changes. We can count on his character. I want to be more like him. Can I hear a good amen today? Amen. Here's the last one for today. Number three, the third Greek word for doubt. Are you learning something today? Is darkinio. And it means this, to withdraw from. To withdraw from. In Mark 11, chapter 22 and 24, it's incredible uh, scripture about faith. And Jesus is talking about the mountains in our life. And mountains really, what they represent is just problems in our life. I like to say it this way. A mountain is anything that stands between you and the promise of God. Whatever that can be, a mountain. And he used these words on purpose because mountains are big. Mountains are immovable. But here's what's interesting. This is what he says in Mark chapter 11, verse 22 through 24. He says, so Jesus answered and said to them, have faith. Everybody say, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whosoever, whosoever, that means anybody. I love this. Anybody says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt. There's that Greek word in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Remember when Jesus was walking on the water and they were like, oh, a ghost. Jesus said, be of good cheer. What was he doing? He was speaking to that mountain of fear. And he says, be of good cheer, have courage. He spoke courage into discouragement. This is what he's talking about here, verse 24. Therefore I say unto you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Verse 23, watch this. So when, even when I pray, if I will believe right now, watch verse 23 and does not doubt in his heart, in his heart, does not doubt in his heart out of his heart will flow rivers of living water does not doubt in his heart, but out of his heart will flow rivers of living water, but doesn't doubt in his heart, but out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. What comes into your heart will flow out of your heart. Right? So if I don't have doubt in my heart, mountains can be moved. You know what we like to do? We like to Facebook about our mountains. Take pictures of our mountains. TikTok about our mountains. Talk about our mountains to our friends. And we do all of that instead of talking to the mountain. And Jesus says... You need to speak to your problems. You need to speak to your lack and say, lack, God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Come on, somebody. You need to speak to that anger and say, anger, I am a meek man, not an angry man. I have controlled strength in Jesus' name. My church family, that's all scripture. That's all Bible, Right? God will make a way where there seems to be no way. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's the one. And this word, doubt, when he says, do not doubt in your heart, this is what it means. Do not withdraw because the enemy wants you to quit on your faith. Pastor Phil, I, I, I've done that. I've said that. 
How long do I have to keep saying it? You keep saying it till the mountain moves. How long do I got to say it? A week? Two weeks? Three weeks? Six weeks? Half a year? You keep saying it. Because here's the reality. Are you ready? Here's two possible outcomes. Either the mountain is going to withdraw or you're going to withdraw. And I have made up my mind, I am not withdrawing. The mountain will be moved. I'm not moving. I'm going to be immovable because God is immovable. And I'm going to keep speaking to that thing. Most of us are speaking about it all the time anyway. I'm so depressed. It takes the same energy to say something different. To say God will come through. What he began in me, he will complete. Come on. And I'm going to speak it until I see it. In Jesus' name. You need to start speaking to that diagnosis. I know that diagnosis may be a mountain for you, but you need to start and start instead of receiving it. With, oh, I have, I have diabetes. It's mine. You need to start saying diabetes by Jesus' stripes. I am healed in Jesus' name. You cannot stay in this body. I am not a sick person trying to get well. I am a healed person fighting sickness in Jesus' name. And I'm going to keep speaking to you. And as long as you keep annoying me, I'm going to annoy you. And you get your fight back. You get your fight back. In verse 24, it says, whatsoever you ask and believe and believe, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Let me just end with this this morning. This is, this is interesting about prayer. He says, I'm supposed to believe, right, that I receive them. So you're going to have to believe that you receive it even before you see it. But if you believe that you receive it, you will have it and it will manifest in Jesus' name. The truth is you are the healed. The truth is you are the victorious. Come on, somebody. The truth is there is joy inside of you because it is a fruit of the spirit. There is peace on the inside of you. Fear should not be able to with, with, reside in your heart and in your life. Doubt should not reside in your heart. Why? Because faith, it's a fruit of the spirit, is all in you. My church family, let's not quit on our faith. Come on, let's not drink the water of doubt. Can I hear a good amen? Let's decide we are going to let the river of living water flow through our lives. Come on, can you give him a good round of applause today? Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.